Section 3 of The Lost Valley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jared Wetzel Brown. The Lost Valley by Algernon Blackwood. Section 3. Then, out of a clear sky, the bolt fell upon Stephen. Catching him utterly unawares, it sent him fairly reeling. For Stephen, even more than his brother, possessed that glorious yet fatal gift, common to poets and children, by which out of a few insignificant details the soul builds for itself a whole sweet heaven to dwell in. It was at the end of their first month, a month of unclouded happiness together, since their exploration of the Abruzzi, two years before, they had never enjoyed anything so much, and not a soul had come to disturb their privacy. Plans were being mooted for moving their headquarters some miles further towards the Val de Traves, or the Creux de Vent. Only the day of departure, indeed, remained to be fixed, when Stephen, coming home from an afternoon of photography alone, saw with bewildering and arresting suddenness a face and with the effect of a blow full upon the heart it literally struck him how such a thing can come upon a strong man a man of balanced mind healthy in nerves and spirit and in a single moment change his serenity into a state of feverish and passionate desire for possession is a mystery that lies too deep for philosophy or science to explain it turned him dizzy with a sudden and tempestuous delight, a veritable sickness of the soul, wondrous sweet as it was deadly. Rare enough, of course, such instances may be, but that they happen is undeniable. He was making his way home in the dusk somewhat wearily. The sun had already dipped below the horizon of France behind him, Across the open country that stretched away to the distant mountains of the Rhone Valley, the moonlight climbed with wings of ghostly radiance that fanned their way into the clefts and pine woods of the Jura all around him. Cool airs of night stirred and whispered. Lights twinkled through the openings among the trees, and all was scented like a garden. He must have strayed considerably from the right trail. Path there was none. For instead of striking the mountain road that led straight to his chalet, he suddenly emerged into a pool of electric light that shone round one of the smaller wooden hotels by the borders of the forest. He recognized it at once, because he and his brother always avoided it deliberately. Not so gay or crowded as the larger caravanserai, it was nevertheless full of people of the kind they did not care about. Stephen was a good half-mile out of his way. When the mind is empty and the body tired, it would seem that the system is sensitive to impressions with an acuteness impossible when these are vigorously employed. The face of this girl, framed against the glass of the hotel veranda, rushed out towards him with a sudden invading glory and took the most complete imaginable possession of this temporary unemployment of his spirit. Before he could think or act, accept or reject, it had lodged itself eternally at the very center of his being. He stopped, 
as before an unexpected flash of lightning caught his breath and stared. A little apart from the throng of dressy folk who sat there in the glitter of the electric light, this face of melancholy, dark splendor rose close before his eyes, all soft and wondrous as though the beauty of the night of forest, stars, and moonrise had dropped down and focused itself within the compass of a single human countenance. Framed within a corner pane of the big windows, peering sideways into the darkness, the vision of this girl, not twenty feet from where he stood, produced upon him a shock of the most convincing delight he had ever known. It was almost as though he saw someone who had dropped down among all these hotel people from another world. And from another world, in a sense, she undoubtedly was. For her face held in it nothing that belonged to the European countries he knew. She was of the East. The magic of other suns swept into his soul with the vision. The pageantry of other skies flashed brilliantly and was gone. Torches flamed in recesses of his being, hitherto dark. The incongruous surroundings unquestionably deepened the contrast to her advantage, but what made this first sight of her so extraordinarily arresting was the curious chance that where she sat the glare of the electric light did not touch her. She was in shadow from the shoulders downwards. Only as she leaned backwards against the window, the face and neck turned slightly. There fell upon her exquisite eastern features the soft glory of the rising moon. And comely she was in Stephen's eyes, as nothing in his life had hitherto seemed comely. Apart from the vulgar throng, as an exotic is apart from the weeds that choke its growth, this face seemed to swim towards him along the pathway of the slanting moonbeams, and with it came literally herself. Some released projection of his consciousness flew forth to meet her. The sense of nearness took his breath away with the faintness of too great happiness. She was in his arms, and his lips were buried in her scented hair. The sensation was vivid with pain and joy, as an ecstasy, and of the nature of true ecstasy, perhaps it was, for he stood, it seemed, outside himself. He remained there, riveted in the patch of moonlight at the forest edge, for perhaps a whole minute, perhaps two, before he realized what had happened. Then came a second shock that was even more conquering than the first, for the girl, he saw, was not only gazing into his very face, she was also rising, as with an incipient gesture of recognition, as though she knew him. The little head bent itself forward gently, gracefully, and the dear eyes positively smiled. The impetuous yearning that leaped full-fledged into his blood taught him in that instant the spiritual secret that pain and pleasure are fundamentally the same force. His attempt at self-control, made instinctively, was utterly overwhelmed. Something flashed to him from her eyes that melted the very roots of resolve. He staggered backwards, catching at the nearest tree for support, and in so doing left the patch of moonlight and stood concealed from view within the deep shadows behind. 
Incredible as it must seem in these days of starved romance, this man of strength and firm character, who had hitherto known of such attacks only vicariously from the description of others, now reeled back against the trunk of a pine tree, knowing all the sweet faintness of an overpowering love at first sight. For that, by God, I'd let myself waste utterly to death. To bring her an instant's happiness, I'd suffer torture for a century. For the words, with their clumsy, concentrated passion, were out before he realized what he was saying, what he was doing. But, once out, he knew how pitifully inadequate they were to express a tith of what was in him, like a rising storm. All words dropped away from him. The breath that came and went so quickly clothed no further speech. With his retreat into the shadows, the girl had sat down again, but she still gazed steadily at the place where he had stood. Stephen, who had lost the power of further movement, also stood and stared. The picture, meanwhile, was being traced with hot iron upon plastic deeps in his soul of which he had never before divined the existence. And again, with the magic of this master yearning, it seemed that he drew her out from that horde of hotel guests till she stood close before his eyes, warm, perfumed, caressing. The delicate, sharp splendor of her face, already dear beyond all else in life, flamed there with an actual touch of his lips. He turned giddy with the joy wonder and mystery of it all. The frontiers of his being melted, then extended to include her. From the words a lover fights among to describe the face he worships, one divines only a little of the picture. These dimly colored symbols conceal more beauty than they reveal. And of this dark young oval face, first seen sideways in the moonlight, with drooping lids over the almond-shaped eyes, soft, cloudy hair, all enwrapped with the haunting and penetrating mystery of love. Stephen never attempted to analyze the ineffable secret. He just accepted it with a plunge of utter self-abandonment. He only realized vaguely by way of detail that the little nose, without being Jewish, curved singularly down towards a chin daintily chiseled in firmness that the mouth held in its lips the invitation of all womankind as expressed in another race, a race alien to his own, an eastern race, and that something untamed, almost savage, in the face was corrected by the exquisite tenderness of the large, dreamy, brown eyes. The mighty revolution of love spread its soft tide into every corner of his being. Moreover, that gesture of welcome, so utterly unexpected yet so spontaneous so natural it seemed to him now the smile of recognition that had so deliciously perplexed him he accepted in the same way the girl had felt what he had felt and had betrayed herself even as he had done by a sudden uncontrollable movement of revelation and delight and to explain it otherwise by any vulgar standard of worldly wisdom would be to rob it of all its dear modesty, truth, and wonder. She yearned to know him, even as he yearned to know her. 
and all this in the little space as men count time of two minutes even less how he was able at the moment to restrain all precipitate and impulsive action stephen has never properly understood there was a fight and it was short painful and confused but it ended on a note of triumphant joy the rapture of happiness to come with a great effort he remembers that he found the use of his feet and continued his journey homewards passing out once more into the moonlight the girl in the veranda followed his disappearing figure with her turning head she craned her neck to watch till he disappeared beyond the angle of vision she even waved her little dark hand i shall be late ran the thought sharply through stephen's mind it was cold vivid with keen pain mark will wonder what in the world has become of me for with swift and terrible reaction the meaning of it all the possible consequences of the face swept over his heart and drowned it in a flood of icy water in estimating his brotherly love even the love of the twin he had never conceived such a thing as this had never reckoned with the possibility of a force that could make all else in the world seem so trivial mark had he been there with his more critical attitude to life might have analyzed something of it away but mark was not there and stephen had seen those mighty strings of life upon which as upon an instrument the heart of a man lies stretched had been set powerfully a quiver the new vibrations poured and beat through him something within him swiftly disintegrated in its place something else grew marvelously the face had established dominion over the secret places of his soul thenceforward the process was automatic and inevitable end of section three